Summer may be officially over, but we all know when fall arrives, things in the soccer world start to heat up. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, Ivis Galarsep. How's it going, man? Going pretty well, Garrett. Um, good to be back. Glad to have, uh, have the show back in action. I know our listeners uh, have been missing us, and you know we definitely apologize for that. Uh, Garrett, Garrett's been under the weather. He's been really sick yes. uh, for a good while, not taking care of himself You know, in that rough, rugged weather of Arizona. But, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's stuffing it out. He's stuffing it out to get us back back on track. And uh, we got a lot to catch up on. I know. It, it, it is dangerous out here. If it's monsoon season, I got caught in a dust storm. Like, you know, you've seen the movie The Mummy. You know, like the dust storm. That's what it was like. I got caught in something like that. And I got sick. It happens. Arizona's dangerous, man. I think it's all your hard partying. I think it's all the partying. I don't party anymore, man. I'm, like, I'm going to the college football games. I can't even drink. Like, it's it's depressing, man. I'm getting... I don't enjoy it anymore. Hangovers suck when you get older. It, it's it is pretty funny that you mentioned that because I mean I, I just I was just out in the city last night and uh, I definitely had a had a decent amount to drink and uh, you know I I, it's, I didn't feel it then but it, but t- today That's what I'm saying. it's not even that I felt it but it was just like I need I definitely needed a lot of sleep to to recover so it was we're not it's not the it's not the good old days when you know you're in your in your early to mid twenties and you could just rage for days on days at a time and not sleep much and man i miss those days i gotta say dude it takes me if i drink and i'm sure there's a lot of guys like who are like me getting to certain you know I'm, look i'm not old but you know we're not like you said we're not 21 it takes me a full day to recover now like if i drink drink yeah you know if i have like three beers you know like well, that, <laughs> that takes me well i am i i am old and it's definitely yeah well, dude it's you're a- you're <laughs> just had my birthday on monday i know dude hey i meant to tell you happy birthday you're uh you're what 47 <laughs> that's good i'm not that old compared to that i'm young but no <laughs> um but yeah no it was good good time in the city it was at the fifa 16 launch party uh they have it every year it's it's a good time in new york and uh get a chance to catch up with people in the soccer community uh but yeah man I, I had a good time but yeah we the older you get man the older you get there's two things the older you get the less that the birthdays seem to matter really and the older you, you get the, the the less you can really you know handle your liquor unless you've just been drinking non-stop through your 20s and 30s and you just have a really hardcore how, tolerance how could you do that oh my gosh there's people that date there are people who like that man uh <laughs> i don't know i don't hopefully the fact that i haven't done that helps me live a few extra years but you know i, I did know. that for four years i felt like that was enough I never Five. had. I don't know. I never had years like I would. I can't say I had years like that. I had. You didn't I, do it, that, like college. And no, uh, not, not. I mean, mm. I was working. I, I mean, I was. You know, I was. I was working hard, man, in college. I was, you know, college. <laughs> That's running, true. Running the, I was running the school paper. I was, you know, head of the Latin student organization. I was. I was a pretty. Damn! Good look student. at you. It's big time, man. It's big time. Rample college. Um, I didn't, I didn't but, do anything. <laughs> no. But it, it, yeah, I don't know what it is. All I, all I know is yeah. Not nowadays, it's uh, you know, one one a couple. You know, you know when the last time that I can honestly say that that I I really went 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 hard for a couple months was funny enough right before I was getting married, and this was a long time ago. Obviously, this is I've been married a, uh, you know a good long while now, and uh, but I'd say the six months before I got married, I was going out five days a week. Man. I was like, it was like, it was, it was like I was going to jail. I was just like, I'm having all the fun now. I'm going out every night. I'm in the city every like all three day, three days a week, in in New York City, and I had a ball, man. I can't. I, I had. A- Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I, I do my wedding's like four months away. Uh, oh yeah, my we'll god. See, we'll, we'll see. I got married kind of young. 
I, I was uh, I was 26. I had just turned 26 when I got married, so I was young, you know. Um, so so you're thinking I'm 20. So I was at 25, 26. I, that's that's a good age to be able to party five days a week. Uh, you're you're not that young anymore, so I don't know if you can handle that. <laughs> I, dude, I can't handle that. I just told you. I see, guys, I see people doing shots at the bar, and I'm like, ugh, ugh horrible. Uh, all right, quickly, Ivis, though, before we move on and break down, previous weekend of MLS action, I got to ask, though, the FIFA party, uh, dude, must have been very different, obviously different, but, I mean, it must have been a kind of cool feel that the women were there and they were in the game. I mean, obviously much different than the years past parties you went to. Well, what are you asking about, the party? You're asking about the game. No, 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 I'm saying, like, you know, it was probably a cool feel, though, that the women were there the first time and they were in the game. I mean, you know, it kind of had to been fun, no? No, it was, it was good to have them there. I mean, obviously, the you know, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of the people there were happy to see them there. And, uh, you know, they're the World Cup champions, so they're, they're doing their whole tour. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, having them, having them at these kind of events is, uh, uh, for me, that's much better than this victory tour, because this victory tour... I think I speak for a lot of people that it's like it's just it's just jump the shark, man. It's like let it go, let's put put it to rest already. This is like the, it's great that they who won cares, Ivis? They need those seven to one wins. Come on, man. It's the you it's know confidence I, I builders, Ivis. I mean, on one hand, I get it, right? If we're gonna win the next World Cup, they need confidence. They need these seven to one wins on a consistent basis. It's all basis. about cash. It's all about a cash grab. And look, it's great that there's all these parts of the country where all these women's fans, all these young girls, all the all these fans of the U.S. team. Uh, get to see them in person, so that's great. I, I get, I see the value in that, but it's just the whole thing is just a little much, man. I mean, they're blowing out Haiti, they're celebrating the goals like it's like. I mean, it all seems a little, it seems a little fake. And I'll be honest with you, but it is what it is, man. It's all a business. So it's, it, you know, they got to do what they got to do. Look at you, I got to be Debbie Downer. Come on, I was... no, wait, but look, I tell you what, having them at that party was great. I mean, Lu- Lupe Fiasco performed. He was great. Yeah, he, had, he had did. He have dreads, by the way. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. He he has more he has more big hits than I realized. Hey, Lupe, like, I play Lupe on the out music for this show on a consistent basis. Do you not listen to music? I listen to these yeah. songs, but I guess it doesn't register to me that these were him. Like that's him. Like I didn't even realize. Lupe's it. good, man. He's got about food five and six, liquor. That is a good. Yeah, he's album. got about five or six bangers. I give it to him. He's good. he's all right. But he he brought the, you know the women were up on the stage. Uh, you know the you know most of them were there. It was great. It was great. Yeah. It was a good time. Well, Ivis, we have plenty to talk about on today's show. Before we break down the weekend that was in Major League Soccer, just want to let everyone know on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team. CONCACAF Cup Olympic qualifying roster has been announced. Some international news and, and obviously other various tidbits throughout the entire show. That's what we have in store today. Ivis, previous weekend, MLS Week 29, Seattle defeating Vancouver 3-0. to They win the Cascadia Cup. Very important for them. Pick up a valuable three points in a game, Ivis, where back and forth. Vancouver looked good in the second half. Looked they're going to take the victory. Seattle able to hold them off, scored two goals. I mean, this was a great game between both sides, but just a very important win for Seattle, especially when you look at where the Western Conference is right now. That was a big game for them, big performance. And I know some people look at the fact that Vancouver were missing uh, the the heart of their midfield. They're missing uh, Matias Slava and Pedro Morales. But I don't think that takes anything away from Seattle. Not only winning, but winning in convincing fashion. Uh, they're really starting to round in the form at a at a perfect time because I mean, just just this, if you just look at this weekend, uh, I thought it was a crazy stat that coming into the weekend, the top four teams in the Supporter Shield race ended up all losing, and they all lost by I, I think it was like a combined twelve to one scoreline. I think all of them that Vancouver got got smoked, uh, New England got beat up. 
who, who am I missing here? FC Dallas. Uh, they, they got beat up in Kansas City. And LA. LA. LA is slumping. So you have all these. And the Red Bulls are, won. What is this world coming to? No, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about the top four. At the time, the top four teams in in the Supporter Shield race all got beat up pretty badly. And Seattle, who, you know, they're not going to win the Supporter Shield. I think that's the, they, they've. They they lost too many games in the summer, but it just shows that it's really kind of right now. There's no clear cut favorite for them for the MLS Cup title. Seattle is finding their form right now, and I mean I've said all year I feel like LA Seattle went and went if they're on at the end, they're gonna they're the best teams. I mean I think they I think they're the best teams, and and I think we're seeing that now with Seattle. Uh, you know I thought for me coming into this week I, I wondered what kind of shape they'd be in having just lost Roman Torres to a torn ACL. Uh, the Brad Evans, there was questions about him having concussion uh, symptoms and was he going to miss time? Was he going to be out? Uh, fortunately for them, he was able to play. And they're playing well, man. They're starting to find their rhythm. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't be said enough the fact that they were missing Obafemi Martins, Clint Dempsey, and Ozzy Alonso for a good chunk of the summer. And now they have those three guys back. They're healthy. They're starting to find that familiar rhythm again. And you know what? When they're on their game, they're really tough to stop. And and they they even though this game it's easy to forget it was zero zero in like the forty fourth minute, so it was it was it was a good battle. But then Seattle obviously broke it open. Seattle man, for me they're they're a tight they're L A struggling. I still I know L A hasn't looked great lately, but it's still it's still the same. I still stand by L A and Seattle are your teams to, are going to be I think your teams to beat barring something crazy happening. Well, Vancouver and look as much as you say that I'm sure there's some people in Va- that would like to argue for Vancouver but just when you look at the run of games like this lately, you know, win loss, win loss, win loss. They haven't had an easy stretch by far the imagination. I mean, the easiest game they had was the Rapids who they did beat. Their schedule coming up, it's it's not the hardest. You have New York on it, you have Houston on it, you have San Jose. I mean, you do have some teams that are on the fringes of the playoffs, so those aren't going to be gimme games. I mean, the question is, I mean, is is Vancouver in danger of possibly losing the number one spot in the Western Conference? Uh, that's absolutely, absolutely. I mean, why not? I mean, they they don't have that that strong a hold on it, and and although the schedule is does favor them, um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we need to see them really show something here at the end. They've had a great year, not to take anything away. Carl Robinson's done a great job as a team. They, they've played some of the most attractive, most effective, best soccer in the league this year. It's not just about results, because there's teams that can get results, but they don't necessarily play well. They don't necessarily play good soccer, attractive soccer. Vancouver plays good soccer. They play attractive soccer. Um, but we need to see how they finish things out. And, you know, for the for as far as MLS Cup goes, I mean, I'm still not sold on them as an MLS Cup like a team that can win, they could win it, but they're not in that elite yet for me. But as far as supporter shield, I think it's 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 pretty wide open right now. The New York Red Bulls, I mean, we'll get to them in a bit, but I think they've positioned themselves now. They have a great chance to win it again, to win their second supporter shield uh, in three years. But Vancouver, they still have a lot of work to do. And over in the Eastern Conference, New York City FC continues to make things interesting. Every single time you think that they're done, season's over, not going to make the playoffs, they do something that makes you turn your head and say, what is going on? They now pick up Ivis, a victory over San Jose for uh, 3-2. to two. Previously, a couple of days before, they defeated Toronto with the three-headed monster that Toronto has. New York City FC recovering from a three-match losing streak, making a late push to make the playoffs. I mean, what is going on, Ivis? I mean, just like that, New York back in the playoff picture. Well, I'll tell you, this was a make-or-break week for them, obviously. They had two games at home, 
uh, and this was either going to be the end of the road, or they were going to have, or they were going to step up and win these games. And they actually stepped up. They won these games, and the big part for them has been the fact that their their star players have stepped up. Uh, obviously, David V has been great for them all year, but Frank Lampard, and Andrea Pirlo, they you know they were slow in their kind of assimilation into MLS, and obviously with Pirlo, you got you got a guy who really didn't have a preseason. Frank Lampard, similar situation, so fitness was an issue getting them back, getting them not only match fit but getting them kind of sharp right i mean these are these are star players but they still need to kind of get you know work toward getting to be their best and i think right now we're i think now we're starting to see them show that quality show the quality that we that people expected them to to, to bring to the table and now with those two playing that well uh you know you have via there and then you have some other players stepping up for nyc you have josh saunders and goal is doing well uh, i think the defense is starting to play better uh, you have guys like Andrew Jacobson, that grab avoid, taking full advantage of the of the opportunities they've gotten. Mm. So things are starting to come together for them, and it's it's kind of unfortunate for them because they they've they've left themselves. Uh, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. They don't have a lot of room for uh, for error at this point. I mean, they, they they I know they've talked for the last few weeks about how they wouldn't need to win every game, and you know that that is do they need to win every game? No, they don't need to win every game, but I mean they they can't afford to lose too many, right? I mean they have four games left. Uh, and they, some, you know, they, they can maybe pick there. up one draw. They need to. They, they need, need to, at least yeah. ten points. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the standings right now. They're on thirty-four points. I think you need forty-four. Uh, yeah. So yeah, especially with I mean, in, in, in Montreal does have three games in hand on yeah. New York. I mean, look, they, they Montreal still has to play those three games. Three wins and a draw, right? NYC, you need three wins and a draw, most likely to get in, and they go to Vancouver next. So right away, bang, it's a. It's not going to be easy, uh, and I know Montreal has those games in hand, and and, and you know they they've actually started to look really good now. But I, I as I always say, with games in hand, man, they're a tricky thing because of course you know, it's tough. Like looking at Montreal's schedule, and not to get into Montreal too much, we're going to talk about they have a game like almost every night. They're, yeah, their month, their next month, it's going to be crazy. They're going to, I think, it's something like nine games in a month, and and you know for European teams with loaded rosters, that's not that abnormal but for mls teams nine games is asking a lot so nycfc is going to have to almost run the table and they're going to have to hope that montreal starts to fade well i think we did earlier this year see those moments with new york city fc i mean i'm thinking back in the summer when when pirlo came on in the second half against i think it was orlando also you, you know you saw the quality that is pirlo and new york looks so so aggressive and so dominant in that game i think they scored like five goals in that game but I think the frustrating thing, obviously, with fans, obviously, and, and for people who've been watching this team, is where has that been all year long? You're exactly right. I mean, bringing these guys over midseason, it, it's going to create problems for these teams. But, I mean, I guess it raises the question. I mean, when will teams learn? I know New York's an expansion side, but it's just it, the bread is in the pudding. I mean, it's very rare that a player comes over during the summer and is able to take that team to the next level. I mean, we rarely see that actually happening. Well, right. I mean, it's it, the, the thing that's interesting is Frank Lampard. I mean, for all intents and purposes, at one point, he was supposed to join them at the beginning of the year. Uh, But obviously, he stuck with Man City on loan there. And I don't care what anyone says, but I think that was a disaster. I think that was a terrible decision, uh, a pretty short-sighted decision by Man City's ownership group. Because obviously, early in the fall of that that season for Man City, he he made a big impact there. However, in the second half of that season – when he could have been with New York City FC, he was pretty much on the bench for Man City. He really didn't do much for them. So, you know, they wasted a half a year of Frank Lampard wasting away on, you know, not doing much, not contributing much to Man City. 
and uh, when he could have been with NYCFC. And I guarantee you, if he had been there from the beginning of the year, it would have made a difference in the standing. It would have made a difference in the, in the in the record that this team would have right now. And I actually asked him about that uh, after you know his first start for them. This was a few weeks back, and I asked him flat out. I said, "Do you? I mean, is is there? Do you regret not coming in the in the winter now that you know knowing then?" You know, if you knew then what you know now, you didn't play at City at the end, uh, and now you've come here and he's struggled. I mean, it's not only you come at midseason, but when you come at midseason, then you end up having to take a month to a- acclimate, and and you know that. So in the end, it's even cost him more than a half a season of Frank Lampard. So for me, uh, hopefully they learn a lesson from that, Man City's owners, and realize like you know what, it, like the, the, as much as people can say, oh, the whole season doesn't matter. You know, in MLS, so many teams make the playoffs. You it know, does matter. Whatever. New York may, may not make the playoffs. It does. Exactly. It does matter. And they it's their mistake. And they need to own that. On the other hand, I have San Jose. It seems literally like forever ago when they were on that four-game winning streak. All of a sudden, you're thinking San Jose is going to make the playoffs. I, I get it. They're one point out of a playoff position right now. But we're also Lake next week, who we're also playing really good soccer right now. I mean, is San Jose... I mean, what, what do you give them, Ivis? 5% chance of actually making the playoffs at this point? I don't know about 5, if only because Portland has been in a bit of a slump now. Uh, so that's the team that they're trying to chase. They're one point behind them now. Um, but I said, look, I mean, Real Salt Lake is right behind them. Real Salt Lake, if Real Salt Lake wins that game, uh, you know, then we're talking a different story. I mean, we're talking about Real Salt Lake now jumping into the picture for the playoff spot. Uh, I never like to rule out Dom Kinnear. But it's a tough one. I mean, they're missing Victor Bernardes. He's injured. It seems like once he got hurt, that really, you know, it kind of set them heading in another and kind of another direction. But yeah, I don't know, man. I've watched them the last few games now, and they haven't quite had that spark um, that they had during that run, during that 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 impressive winning streak that revived their chances. Uh, but there's been some games that uh, that have really cost them now in the last few in the last few weeks that you know they needed to get better results in. They they needed, you know, they had Philly. Uh, you play. You get. You're at home against Philly. You got to be able to beat Philly, and that was that was a game obviously where Bernardis got hurt. Connor Casey comes in, scores two goals. So that was a huge blow, right? And then, but then you know you get Montreal. You're at home again. You're playing Montreal. They're a man down. Ambrose Ayango gets a, a red card. You need to put that game away. And not only did it, you know, not only did, they didn't win. They didn't win. They absolutely had no excuse for that game. So right there, those things add up. Those things add up. So then, uh, you know, you show up at Yankee Stadium and, again, another game that if you want to be a playoff team in the Western Conference, you got to be able to beat them on CFC. You just do. And they didn't. And uh, so right now, I, I, I don't like their chances. I don't like their – I mean, I, if you're asking me – I actually like Real Salt Lake's chances more. If you're asking me who I'm putting – who who's my money on of the teams not, out of, not in the playoff spots now to get in the playoff spots? RSL, man. RSL could absolutely climb in. Uh, with some results here uh, and San Jose, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's tough to go from building up that momentum and having that head of steam, and then all of a sudden you lose it. I mean, they had four wins in a row, and now all, look, all of a sudden, boom, they have four games without a win. And I, I just don't know. I just don't see. I don't see them picking that back up. Over in the Eastern Conference, Montreal Impact picked up a very impressive three to zero win over the New England Revolution, which extends their. Um, undefeated streak now to four matches, which sets them up perfectly. We talked about with the three games in hand, being in the playoff picture. Uh, I was, let's be real, Drogba, Montreal, that is a move that has worked out. Um, it's It's been perfect. 
Well, who didn't think that, right? You I never mean, know. Like, you never know. Come on. I want to know who. Uh, I mean, maybe some people did. And I, there's like, I didn't think he was going to be that perfect. Yeah, not perfect. I mean, he's done well. And I mean, he's four goals in four games. I mean, it's not without its issues. I mean, the guys missed some games as well. And know. it's easy to forget. I mean, now that things are going well under the interim coach, Marbiello, it's easy to forget that, uh, you know, Frank Klopas, uh had had Drogba all of a couple of minutes as a sub in one game. Um, you know, he, he, he Drogba sat out a pair of games uh, when Viallo finished up there. So, uh, but not, not Drogba's good, man. He's the real deal. He is who he is. And, and, and I know, you know, he's, is he, is he the player he was 10 years ago? No, or even five years ago? No, but he, I mean, I think people who see, who've watched these games, see the physical presence he, he has, the skill, the vision, he sets teammates up. He's a hard worker too. I mean, he's not afraid to get the, you know, get his get you mm-hmm. know, get his hands dirty and do some defensive work. Uh so so, you know, and look, this scoreline, first of all, let's just say three to nil, it, it wasn't a blowout in the sense of when you watch the game. It was a it was a much closer game than the, than that than that score would indicate. And obviously it was really rainy. Uh, the first two goals they scored were off of deflections. Yeah, the drive of yeah. Kellen wrote. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was doing there. Get the hell out of the way. What is he doing? Uh, that, was bad. that was bad on his part. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff went against the England there. Uh, so it was a tough one, you know. But, look, credit to Montreal. They took full advantage. And now, again, they're in, they're in position. They're in position to hold on to that spot uh, pretty, pretty well. But I, this is what I wonder, right? How will Marbiello balance this team and, and juggle this roster, juggle this lineup uh, so that his team stays fresh. And because it's not only, hey, it's not only about getting in. It's about being able to do something once you once you get in. And and let's not forget now, with the playoff format the way it is, uh, the playoffs are one, you know, it's, it's the, the first round of playoff. It's a one-off game. Montreal most likely is going to have to play a road game in that first round. And they're probably going to be playing, you know, either a Columbus and New England Maybe, you know, maybe even a Toronto, if Toronto catches D.C., um, they're going to have a tough road game to play. And you wonder what they're going to have left in the tank if they do hold on to this spot. Because, as we said, uh, they have to make up these games now. And that's good in the sense that, yes, you can gain points. But it's also bad in the sense because, you know what, is their bench deep enough for Biello to juggle and spread minutes around enough to keep them fresh? And I don't know, man. We'll see. It's a big test. It's a big test for Biello. For New England, Ivis definitely cause for concern. Their first loss after uh, after winning six games in a row definitely cause for concern. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, are you serious? It... Come on, Ivis. <laughs> they have the first off. They have the easiest remaining schedule: Philadelphia, Chicago, Montreal, New York City FC. Yeah, I mean, look at that. That, that is should, easy. That should be four wins. I mean, let's be honest. Um, I'm I'm not too worried about New England. No, I, I, no I'm, I'm, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I know. I know. I mean. You know, it was an unfortunate situation. I mean, they, they did, uh, you know, they, they, they did choose to arrest uh, a couple of their guys uh, that they, that they uh, Fagundes didn't play, Caldwell didn't. Well, they didn't start. Fagundes and Caldwell, they brought him in. Uh, Jay Heaps did try with the two games in a week. He did try to shake things up a little, give some guys a rest. Charlie Davies at the middle of the week. Jeremy Hall in the middle of the week. Um, but they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're, they're a top team. I, I mean, I would say this, this loss – could end up costing them for the, the number one seed because I think no, I think the Red Bulls now they just beat the Red Bulls on Wednesday, right? And that was a big win for New England uh, to kind of put them in first place. That has them in control. The remaining schedule at that point, they could run the table. They could be number one seed in the East. But now 
They stumble up in Montreal, and now they've opened the door. They've opened the door because I think the Red Bulls, man, the Red the Red Bulls. We're going to talk about their their game in Portland later, but the Red they really impressed me with the way they rebounded and they won in Portland because that's that's huge. That changes things for me in the Eastern Conference. Well, speaking of the New York Red Bulls, they have now moved into a tie with the Vancouver Whitecaps for the Supporters Shield lead. New York has also booked its ticket to the playoffs after defeating the Portland Timbers two to zero. They scored two goals late. At the end of the first half, Portland came back, tried their hardest to find an equalizer, couldn't do it. Luis Robles definitely had the save of the week late in this match when he, I think he saved the shot off his face on the line. It was, it was insane. Uh, but for New York, Ivis, I mean, great opportunity now for them to really push and make it and, and really propel themselves into a good position to win the Supporters' Shield yet again. I think they're in prime position. Uh, it, it, this is a big win. This is a big win. I, I can't stress this enough, stress it stress it enough. I mean, they've impressed me all year, but I really thought this was a game that was kind of set up for them to have a stumble. Uh, when you think about it, they they played midweek in New England, and then they have to travel all the way across country to Portland. And we know traditionally, teams that are from the East Coast when they travel west, uh, it's not always an easy easy thing to do. And then even less so when you had a mid midweek game. So it was set up for them, right? And Portland's Portland's rested. They didn't play in the middle of the week. Everything's there for Portland to run over them. And not only did the Red Bulls not get run over, but they were the ones who dominated the play. They they were they looked like the fresher team. And credit to Jesse Marsh, he did a great job getting them ready for that game. He made some lineup moves uh, that really paid off for them. I mean, obviously Connor Lade was suspended. Dax McCarty was suspended. He plugs in rookie Sean Davis. He plugs in Sal Z- uh, Zizo. Uh, to play right back, and Zizo does well. And then he uh, he goes to his bench and he starts Gonzalo Verón and uh, Sean Wright Phillips. And just they gave and they helped give the team the energy they needed to just really overwhelm Portland. And you know they did a good job when Caleb Porter actually uh, in a post game acknowledges his team was just flat out beat. And generally speaking, when Caleb Porter after a loss, he, he find, you know he's kind of like from that Jose Mourinho school of. You know, more often than not, his team was should have won and was the better team, played the better soccer, but they ended up losing. Uh, this time he had no, he didn't. There was none of that. He flat out said they were outplayed. They, the, the Red Bulls had more energy. Uh, so I mean, that's a statement victory right there to mm-hmm. go on the road uh, and and a good rebound because again they went to New England, they lost to New England, and, and at that point it would have been easy for them to kind of have it snowball a bit, go to Portland, lose in Portland. All of a sudden you're looking at two losses in a row. And that would have really put a dent in, the, in their supporter shield hopes, their number one seed hopes in the East. Now they've won, and they're they're sitting in the catbird seed now. You know, I, I think they're they're in pretty good shape. Uh, and and you know, the, their schedule is not as easy in the, as New England's at the, at the the rest of the way. But I mean, they have the extra games. They have the extra games. They have Orlando. The game against Columbus won't be easy. The game against Montreal won't be easy. Uh, but then they have some other games here. They finish out with Philly. They finish out with Chicago. So. If, if you ask me who's my money, who my money is on for the supporter shield right now, I got I got to go with them. I got to go with them. When New York won the supporter shield in 2013, just just think about this impressive stat that they're putting up this year. When they won in 2013, they scored 58 goals and conceded 41 goals. In 2015, they've scored 49 goals. They've only given up 32 goals. And the one thing for me, Ivis, that has stood out with New York has just been their defense. And you have a few guys, their back line, excuse me, and you had a few guys who were on the team last year, didn't get big minutes. I mean, let's say a guy like Matt Miazga, for example. I think he played just over a handful of games last year. I mean, he's been playing almost every single game for them. It's turned into a very capable player on their back line. I mean, you just look at New York's back line, Ivis, and you could argue that it may be possibly the best in the league right now. 
No, I wouldn't go that far. I would mm-hmm. not at all. They've done they've done well. They've had a good season. Not taking anything away from them. Dave, uh, Damian Parnell has been really great for them. I think he's a guy who, at the end of last year, he had a little bit of time, but like you didn't see anything there that made you think, oh, this guy could, could end up being a, a regular starter for them. For me, what I think I think the credit needs to go is in is their midfield, and nothing against their defense, but the midfield, the work that their midfield does makes things a lot easier for their defense. Um, I, I, you know, when they, they're winning the possession battle almost every game, they're really, really limiting the number of, of, of really dangerous threats that, that emerge from a midfield. And I think any good defense needs the support of a midfield, uh, of a midfield that works hard and it doesn't make mistakes and it stays compact. And I think the Red Bulls have done that excellently this, this year. And, and again, not taking anything away from the Red Bulls because Miazga's done well, Perrinell's done well, Kamar Lawrence. For me, he's been one of the better signings of the off of yeah, this past offseason, and I don't think people need to talk about him enough. I mean, he's, you know, he comes in, and you can argue he's the best left back in the league, or one of the best left backs in the league. So yes, their defense does does well, but I mean, I I, I give the credit for their midfield for for the, the system that they play. Yes, but the defenders also have to make the stops too. Yeah, I know. I watch all the. Listen, man, I watch. I, watch I know you do because you're a Red Bulls fan. I know you watch every no, game. I watch. Yeah, I watch games. <laughs> I watch a lot of teams' games, but um. Red Bulls defense is doing well. I'm not 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 okay, trying can to you at least, Can you at least say this that Robles is definitely up for goalkeeper of the year? Yeah. Oh, what is up with you, man? He's all right. He, well, see, here's the thing. That's it. now I'm gonna ask you this now. So you just sat here and you just said this whole spiel about their defense, how it could be the best in the league. But then you want to give Luis Robles. So which one is it? It's, it's everything. It's a combination. It's, not, it's a lot of players why? having good years. But but it's no. But see, that's the thing. Like you could, I would argue. I would argue that. Luis Robles has to bail out his defense more often than not, and he's had to make a ton of huge saves this year because you know the defense does does uh, you know give up a fair share of chances. So uh, best defense in the league, I would give that to Vancouver. I, I would say yeah. Vancouver. Vancouver's has, has, that's fair. Has, has a great defense, but I just think for the Red Bulls, their defense is good and has had a good year, but their midfield man, the work that their midfield puts in to to cover them cannot be overlooked. Uh, Portland Ivis struggling right now. I mean, how in danger of they? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, man. I, mean, I, they, I mean, we talked about it earlier with RSL all of a sudden starting to look good. Look, San Jose is a point out. I mean, Portland, Portland's almost about to play themselves out of the playoffs. They better, they better figure it out. And I mean, I know Caleb's at a loss for words right now. Caleb Porter, he, you know, in the, his post game, he just he didn't have an answer for it. And and you look at it now, all of a sudden they, they for, all of a sudden they're you know. They had that little that couple of shutout wins. They beat Chicago. They beat RSL. Now they've gone four games in a row without a win. And not only that, now the, look at their remaining schedule. I mean, they have the crew. That's a tough one. KC, tough one. RSL now is looking like a tough one because that could be you could, that could be for a playoff spot. I mean, you get to you get to that point if RSL keeps on rolling, RSL could be playing to knock Portland out of the playoffs. And it, it, it's I, I I don't know, man. I thought Lucas Milano was going to kind of be that that missing piece to the attack to get them going. Um, but something's just not clicking there with them. And, you know, Nag- Darlington Nagman needs to step it up. Uh, it's funny because, I mean, I, a couple weeks ago I'm talking him up for the national team, and I still say, like, I think his skill set, I like, I think he can be a national team a national team player. But he right now is not playing well. He's not. There's no, there's no two ways about it. He needs to play better. Because, you know, it's all fine that they have Larry, that they have Milano, but they need Nagby to be at his best if they're going to get out of this funk. And especially with the game, the opponents they have coming up. Columbus, one of the hottest teams in the league right now. They've won four out of five. 
you know, you got KC as well. KC, you know, even though they had their recent slump, they, you know, they just beat up Dallas to kind of remind us all that they could still be a good team. So Caleb Porter's got his, his work cut out for him, and he needs his attack. He needs his attack. The defense, I think, is okay. The defense isn't that bad. But the attack has just not been getting the job done. I mean, they, they've scored <laughs> one goal. One goal in three games. That's not that you can't. That's not cutting it at all. I, I've been thinking about this for a while, Ivis. Are we? And I'm not saying me, but I feel like the expectation for Darlington Nagby is a little too high. Sometimes I feel like people think he's going to be this outstanding player, and when you watch him play, yes, he he does some things that make you say, "Wow!" And this is a guy that can really do it, but he doesn't do it enough consistently. And when you and when you watch him play, it's just. It's sometimes frustrating because you see the potential that he has, but he could just never do it on a consistent... I know I just said it, but I, I don't know. To me, I think he's a good player. A lot of teams would not turn a player of him down, that quality. But I think sometimes the expectations for him that people put on him are a little too high. I don't know, man. I think he can be a special player. I and think I, he can, and but, I, he doesn't, but he doesn't do it consistently, though. Wait, well, I mean, I don't know, man. When you look at the, some of the stats, and again, it's not just goals and assists. I know, I, mean, I know, I know, I know. Successful dribbles, taking people on, drawing fouls. I mean, all these, all these are tangible stats that he's among the league's best in. And I, and I did when I did my piece on him with the, uh, I did a piece a few weeks back for Gold.com about his national team prospects. Um, people who just look at goals and assists, uh, you know, you, you're not getting the full picture of what a player. Of, of course, of course. And Don Signabi is a prime prime example of that kind of player where if you just look at goals and assists, you're really not going to know if you're not watching a lot of games, you're not watching his games. Uh, he's a guy who cre- who makes things happen. He goes at people. He passes the ball well. He's very technical. And I was astounded when I'm doing because I, you know, I dug up statistics on him to kind of you know make the case for him. And the stat that really stood out for me, and this was obviously a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. might have changed by now. But at the at that point, a few weeks ago, when I was digging up the stats, he had the highest passing percentage uh, of any player with more than a thousand passes a- a- in in the league. And I mean. That it just shows like the sharpness that he has. He also, as far as successful dribbles, I think only Fabian Castillo took on and beat defenders on successful dribbles more than him. And also chances created from open play. At the time, he led the league in chances created from open play. So that tells me the guy is making things happen. Now, is are his teammates taking full advantage? Not necessarily. Uh, and it, and it's not all on them. I think him and we saw in this this Red Bulls game. I mean, I just, he needed to do more in that game. I will. There's no two ways about it. And there 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 should be pressure on him because he is a good player. This is not a. This isn't just some you know whatever. Like this isn't. We've See, never. It's not. We've never seen him do it. Two years ago, the guy was excellent. The guy made it all. He happen. was. He you know he got them very close to a supporter shield. Um, and, and, and that's that, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that he's. he's, he's yeah, I agree. There's times when you watch him play, and you're just like, "Holy crap!" But other times, you're just like, "Oh my gosh, Nagby, what?" I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe right. Maybe it's the teammates can't can play up to what he to the level that he's at. I, there's just well, that, well, see, there's a the disconnect. Thing. There's a big well, right. disconnect. I, there's a, right, I agree. There's something there that's not quite right. And and see, but that's the thing for me that why I think him with the national team would be a good thing just because I think you put him on a team where he doesn't have to be the guy where the guys around him are at a similar level or at a high level. You know, you plug him in and you're playing him with Fabian Johnson, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley. Uh, You know, that's a higher technical level than he's playing at now. And he would thrive. I think personally he would thrive on that. Of course, right now his form's not at its best, but I think at some point we're going to see Nabby with the national team. 
Um, but you know, that's, that's down the road. That's next year, January. It's not going to be soon. Um, so let's not even get into that now. Let's right now, let's talk about, Hey Nagby, you need to step it up. You need, you, they need you. They don't, it's not, it's not Milano, not Valeri. They need you Darlington Nagby to take your game up a notch because if, if not, they're going to miss the playoffs again. You talk about teams missing the playoffs over in the Eastern conference. Toronto FC is literally almost doing the same thing. Yes. I know they defeated Colorado three to one. But that snapped a three-match losing streak. Um, I mean, at this point, Sebastian Jovinko's back has to be hurting him from carrying this team all season long. I mean, good for Toronto. They were able to bat rebound. But, I mean, their schedule coming up is cupcake. They got Chicago. They got Philadelphia. I mean, if they, if they, I guess, <laughs> almost if they don't make the playoffs again. They will make the playoffs. That, the, I'm just going to stop you right there. They're going to make the playoffs. Are they going to do anything in the playoffs? That's another question. That's another question because, I mean, I think they should win these next two games. That'll put them on forty-six. That'll get them in. But if you're, if, but do I have confidence in them doing anything in the postseason? Not at all. I really don't. Just because I think they're overly relying on him uh, on Javinko. I don't think their defense is a is a, a playoff uh, a defense that's going to have success in the playoffs. Uh, I just I don't see them going very far. And. Um, that that's uh you know what it's tough it's tough to have one player just be just carry you and i know look they have michael bradley he's a very good player jonathan sorio starting to make some things happen they still need josie altador to step his game up i don't think i i still you know his last few games not really not really just doing it yet um and if they they need him to they absolutely need josie altador to, to, to step up I don't know, man. It's funny that you say that because I agree. Like, yeah, they won that game to beat Colorado, but it's Colorado, you know, Colorado's last place team in the West. And, and they, first, and I agree, Toronto should make the playoffs because when you look at it, Orlando is seventh with thirty-five points, and that's a lot of ground to make up. But it's just like, I mean, you just <laughs> Toronto's just so good at shooting themselves in the foot. You just expect right. them well, to that, lose they, every they, single well, game for the rest of the year. The funny thing, if not if not for Javinko. I know, I know, I know. What happens if he gets injured? <laughs> but that's the crazy part. Like, even if you were to take Javinko off of Toronto, like their team would be like they'd have one of the. They still have one of the higher payrolls in the league. They they have the talent that should still make the playoffs. But if they didn't have Javinko, they'd be completely out of the play, out of the picture. Um, and so that so basically it comes back to this: they're not playing up to their their potential. They're not playing as well as they should be playing. It's all well and good for Javinko to have an amazing season, one of, arguably one of the best seasons in the history of MLS, but it's kind of glossing over and putting a putting a nice coating on the fact that there's a lot of guys who are not playing well for them. There's a lot of guys who are not playing as well as they should be playing, and maybe Greg Vanny isn't getting as much out of these guys as he should as a group, as a group, because I, no one's going to sit here and tell me, oh, it's Greg Vanny's coaching that is leading to Javinko being great. No, Javinko was always going to be <laughs> yeah. It's Greg Vanny's job to get all the pieces around Javinko working. And I just haven't seen it consistently. So that's why for me, yeah, sure. They'll get in because Javinko's Superman, but they're not going to go far. They could they knock off a team in the first round? Yeah, sure. Are they gonna beat are they gonna beat in red are they gonna beat the Red Bulls? Are they gonna beat the crew? Are they gonna beat New England in a playoff series? I, I don't see it. Absolutely I just don't. No in no way do I see that happen. I was, Sebastian Jovinko isn't Superman. He's uh, Atomic Ant. Come on. You got to get his nickname right, man. Whatever he is, man. He's he's, he's incredible. He's an incredible player. And I, I got to say this, by the way. I saw this on Twitter a couple weeks ago or a week ago, whatever it was. Someone, you know, the usual kind of anti-MLS snarkiness going on. And it's and someone had and someone pointed out the fact that, you know, Jovinko is looking like he could be the best player in the history of MLS. And here's a guy who was on the bench at Juventus. 
And it's like, listen, guy, he like Juventus is a great team, and he could have started and been a star on almost any other team in Serie A. You can't just look at it and say, oh, well, he was on the bench at Juventus, and all of a sudden he's amazing here. Like, yeah, but that's not really like a good context to put it in because he, you know, if if you're like on the bench for a great team in Europe, like that doesn't make you not able to play for every other team in that league. Like, are you kidding me? Like, Javinko would have started for almost any other team in, in Italy in the years that he was sitting on the bench in Juventus and, and, and coming on and being a reserve. I mean, the guy was getting called up by Italy on a regular basis. That that wasn't happening because he because he was a reserve at Juve, right? So I, I just think it's easy to kind of be dismissive of of the level of the play in the league. Look, the level of the play in the MLS is not on par with Serie A, not on par with any of the top teams in Europe. I would never say that. Anyone who says that is crazy. However... I, I just I think people uh, underestimate the the level of, that the league is at be, just because of these kind of situations. When you look at a Kai Kamara, who's killing it now, and you know he he had a you know he went over to England, he didn't didn't have a great greatest time, nope. but he comes back, he gets put in a perfect system for him, and now he's doing well. Does that mean the league is terrible? No, like I don't know. I, that always kind of just annoys me because it's just lazy. It's lazy from people who. Are already they, they already have a skewed view of MLS, so they look for what defends their narrative, and I just think that's a lazy way to look at things. But you know what? What can you do, man? So people are like that. Yeah, they are uh, for Colorado Ivis. There are reports coming out that Pablo Mastroeni is staying with the with the team. You know, they have uh, more points this year than they do last year, so uh, some improvements have been made. So you're saying this is a good deal? <laughs> you know, they're doing better this year than they were last year. Uh, I, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 I don't, you know, just because they were, you know, they were, uh, they, they've had, they had two more I know, points. I know. Well, it's reports. I mean, it's nothing official. No, yet. I mean, it, I believe it. I believe it's going to happen. And it's just, I just think, so, like, so, something has to change. People, are you kidding me? You're in last place. You're in last place. How are you going to, I don't know, man. I mean, on one hand, I understand, right? When they decide to hire a coach with zero experience. Like they two kinda, days before they, the season starts. Yeah, they kind of yeah they they, they kind of want to give them an opportunity. But two years is enough. Two years is enough, people. What is going on here? Whether it's him or whether it's Paul Bravo, you someone's got to go. You cannot have two straight years. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, last year they were not in last place. So you know they have more points now. But last year they were in eighth place. Last year they were in eighth place. This they, year they, they, they may pass Houston this year and finish ninth, so they may not be bottom. Okay, so they may, so then they will let me know. They will let me know. Ninth from ninth to ninth. They will, that, hey, extension. There we go. Hey, coach, you've kept us, you've kept us near the bottom of the basement. Yeah, let's go. Um, and doing so without really playing our young guys, like that's a, which is a whole other discussion. But look, nothing against Paul Mastroeni, right? Smart guy, was very good player. I think he got thrown in a really bad situation, a situation where, where it was just doomed to fail because, you know, you got a guy with no experience thrown in last minute, coaching a team whose general manager is widely regarded as the worst GM in the league, one of the worst, Paul Bravo, widely regarded one of the worst GMs in the league. How are these guys keeping their jobs? And, then, you know, how? how? Because the people, in Colorado, the people that are running the Rapids are clueless. There's no other way to say it. They're absolutely clueless. They well, I think we've they, known that for a while. They, they they just I mean, look, 2010 they win an MLS Cup. That was just I mean, 
it's a year people try to forget in MLS. And that's somehow, maybe for whatever reason, that somehow has convinced people in Colorado they know what they're doing. And no, they do not. And this, for me, this whole keeping him for another year and may bringing in offensive assistant, like, that's what they need. Like, no. Like, this is, I'm sorry. I don't know how you, I don't know how you commit to a third year when there just hasn't really been from what I, I mean, at least from what I can see, any real progress. And I was in the Eastern Conference. I feel like the last time we did a show, we left DC, DC netted off. The, the things were looking good. Three match winning streak. All of a sudden, the tires have come off. They are winless in the last five matches, losing this weekend to the Columbus Crew two to one. DC United, Ivis, what the heck is happening? Hey man, I'm not want to say I told you so, but I'm pretty sure I've spent the entire year saying that the, the DC United's do, been doing it with mirrors, and I think we're, I think we're at a point now where we're seeing this is them. This is. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're a scrappy team. They're a veteran team. They have some quality MLS players, but they do not have that star power you need to put you over the top and to consistently keep you at a good level. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, man. They had so many results early in the year that where they got a result, but they didn't play well. And you can't do that for oh, but for so long. And I think now we're seeing that they're paying the cost of that. Now, uh, you know, they, they're – I don't know, man. I just I, I've said it all year, man. I've said it all year. I'm not convinced by them, not in the least. For me, it was always New England, Columbus, you know, Red Bulls. I think that's the top three. And now you're looking at, you know, could they slide even even behind Toronto? I mean, if Toronto gets going at the end, I mean, not that they, I don't know if they will, but I don't know, man. I, I just, you know what? Here's the thing. They needed. They went and traded for Alvaro Sabrio. They needed him to be the man. They needed him to be their guy as their striker. They have a spindle, he's good, but they needed Sabario. And Sabario hasn't really hasn't really done it, man. Mm. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that of him. So and it's a contract year, man. If you can't get if you can't get a guy to play for a, in a contract year, then he just then what? Like he's just either maybe he's got a deal lined up already and he's he's ready to bounce, go to back to Sabrisa, you know, who knows what he's gonna do. He's gonna go back to your Salah. Come on, I was... <laughs> Whatever it is, <laughs> it's not enough. It's not good enough. Uh you know, they're just not they're just not gonna get it done, man. So uh, I think I think I, I think I said it. I think I tweeted it uh, in the week. I said, unless Sabario wakes up and starts scoring some goals, DC is going to be one and done. They're going. They're going to play in the first round and they're going to lose. I, I, you know, if you want to talk about a team like Montreal, Montreal with the talent that they have, if BLO can keep them fresh, if he can bet, if he can manage the minutes, if he can keep keep his core fresh for the playoffs. Montreal, for me, if you ask me, if D, Montreal at DC. In the playoff, first round playoff game, I'm putting my money on Montreal. Absolutely, I, I, for me, I would absolutely put my money on Montreal. So look at it that way. Who do you even? Who would? Who would? All right, I'm gonna ask you, Gary. Who would you put? Who would you put money on DC beating in the playoffs in a one game playoff, regardless of home or away? Who do you? Who would you have them beating in the playoff game? Anybody? Montreal. All right, so you would put money on them to beat Montreal. I would not. I would because Drogba is. Drogba's a real is a serious problem. In, in one, if it's one game, mm. yeah, exactly. It's one game. Mm. Drog, hey, Drogba's playing. I'm sorry, man. Drog, and Montreal's defense is playing well. Montreal's defense has come around. Their last, I mean, they sh- they shut out LA. They 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 yes, they got out of San Jose with a, with a tie in a one one when they were down a man for half the game, and now they just shut out the Rebs. Yeah. Really like Mont- well, you know, you really hey, like hey, it's MLS, man. Anything can change. 
eh, enough of the anythings. We're talking about what we see. And what we see is DC's not looking good at all. Montreal's looking good. Toronto has Javinko. DC doesn't have a Javinko. They got Marcus Halstey. That's what they got as far as their international players. So, you know what? I'm not putting my money on DC to beat anybody in the playoffs. And until Sabarillo wakes up and starts to, you know, earn some money, I, I don't see that changing. Columbus, two wins in a row now. Ivis, they've been playing good over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they look in prime position to take that top spot in the Eastern Conference. They're going to be up there. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, they could. They're, they're playing really well. They're, they're, I like them. I like Columbus a lot. Uh, I think they catch the Red Bulls. That's a, mm, that's a tough one. They play each other. That's it right there. October 3rd, Saturday, October 3rd at Red Bull Arena. I'll be there. Knock on wood. Uh, and that's gonna that's gonna be the game right there. If you're Columbus, you have to win that game because if you don't win that game, you are not winning the supporters' shield. Uh, but if you're Columbus, you want to just get in the top two, man. You want to try to get in the top two. Not gonna be easy because, like as we've talked about, New England's schedule is very cushy. Because um, you know you don't want to. Top two teams get buys, uh, and if you're the three seed or the four seed, you know you could end up with a Toronto or Montreal in a one game, and that's tough. Dealing with a Javinko, dealing with a Drogba in a one-game deal. Yeah, I don't think Greg Berhalter wants any part of that. So right now they're ahead of New England. They're a point ahead. But as we said, New England has 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 those games, those easy games. So that it's gonna come for me, it's gonna come down to that big game against the Red Bulls. They got they have to at least get a draw, but ideally get a win. If they can win that game, then yes, Columbus crew, they're looking pretty good. Real Salt Lake, also an Ivis we talked about a little earlier, back in the playoff picture after defeating LA Galaxy 3-0. to LA Galaxy, yes, they are having their struggles, but Real Salt Lake doesn't make the schedule. They defeated the Galaxy previous week before. They defeated Houston Dynamo. They have a couple games going up that can increase their chances of making the playoffs. They have San Jose, Colorado, Portland Timbers. I mean, that's a very nice schedule. Line it up for Real Salt Lake. If they can continue this, Ivis, I mean, they can play themselves in the playoffs. I mean, this is a big win over L.A., even if L.A. is struggling right now. Hey, man, RSL, they've won three out of four. And let's not forget now, they beat Seattle. They beat Seattle 2-0. Thoroughly outplayed Seattle. And this was a Seattle, a healthy Seattle team. I mean, it wasn't like they played a Seattle team that didn't have Woba Femi Martin, didn't have these all these other guys. They, they, took, they played and outplayed and beat that Seattle team um, a couple weeks back. So now in the span of... Three, two, three weeks. They beat Seattle, and they beat and they beat LA. I mean, you got to take them seriously, right? Um, so it, it's going to come down to can they catch Portland? If Portland stumbles, uh, and look at their schedule, it shapes up well, man. Because look, they play San Jose, who's, who's all of a sudden kind of struggling. They play in Colorado, who, not good. They win those games. All of a sudden, you're going into uh, October 14th date. Portland going to Real Salt Lake. And that could be the turning. T- that could be the tie turning game right there. Because if RSL wins these next two games, mm-hmm. uh, and Portland and Portland struggles in these next two games, and they absolutely could, they have they play Columbus and they play KC. That game right there, that could be do or die for both. That could be do or die for Portland right there. Portland could go limping in on a six match winless streak into RSL playing an RSL team that at that point could have won five of six. And that might sound crazy. I know that's for, that's like forecasting two weeks ahead. But, hey, it's MLS. Uh, that could totally happen, man. So RSL, do not write them off. They, they, they're they looking good right now. LA Galaxy, Ibis, uh, they haven't won a game. They haven't won a game, excuse me, in their last three matches. Their schedule coming up. I mean, look, it's the Galaxy. They'll be fine. But, I mean, they got Dallas, Seattle, Portland, Sporting Kansas City. 
mean, no cupcake games in there. They'll be fine regardless. But uh, what's what's going on with the Galaxy, man? I don't know, man. Not only have they not won in three games, they haven't scored in three games. That's crazy. It's the Galaxy. They have a bazillion dollar payroll, and they have not scored a single goal in three weeks. And you know, uh, you know, when you, when you looked at the game. Against Montreal, they get shut out. You're kind of like, okay, maybe there's a bit of a hangover from the international week. You know, Robbie Keane, Zardis, like these guys played their international week, so they're probably tired. But then they go to RSL and they just get just flat out get beat. RSL just had more energy. They just took it to them. Um, so I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with LA's attack at all. I mean, their defense is is you know, their their defense I think is pretty good normally. Um, their attack, man. Robbie Keane has not looked good. He's looked a little tired. Um, but it, as you say, man, LA they turn it on when it counts, right? Exactly. So I'm not gonna get too crazy about this 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 drought. But what the, but what it can do, it can make their run. It could make their road in the playoffs tougher, and that ends up that can always end up costing you. I mean, I still remember the one year they didn't win a, two years ago. It had that happened where they had a little bit of a drought at the end of the year, and then it gave them a tougher road in the playoffs and. This their four remaining games are not easy at all, man. I mean, FC Dallas, Seattle, Portland, KC, no pushovers there, no cupcakes, no rapids, no fire. Um, but I think that's actually good for them. You know why? Because I think that's going to force them to wake up. That's going to that'll get them going. Because you know, uh, FC Dallas, that's never an easy game. And then Seattle, we know about the rivalry there, the LA Seattle rivalry. They have to go up to Seattle. And I think that's the kind of game – I think for me that is the kind of game that's going to turn it around for them. I think that's the kind of game that will wake them up and get them all real – real make them realize, hey, it's 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 October. We got to get serious now. Let's We can't play around anymore. And I think that will happen. I think they have too much quality. I also don't buy this notion – and someone mentioned it. To, I think I saw it on Twitter. Uh, so maybe some people are trying to put it on Steven Gerrard that they're struggling. That's crap. I'm sorry. I don't buy – that's – the total BS for me. I mean, I've watched these games. They, like he, he's doing his job. Like he, first of all, he's not even. He's being asked to, to handle more defensive, defensive-minded role. Like he, and which he seems to be fine with. He seems to be fine with sitting deep, spraying balls around. Um, so you know, stay, staying in front of the defense. Like he's not out in the attacking third, trying to make things happen. He's leaving that to Geo Keen and and Zardis and, and these guys. Um, I thought he's. I think. I think Gerard's doing fine. I think he's doing fine and. It's not because of him that they're struggling. It really isn't. So I think any notions of that are pretty crazy. And no, I'm not a Gerrard fan. No, I'm not a Liverpool fan. I'm just not a fan of just these these kind of, I feel I'll call them clickbait uh, hot takes that people come up with. Hey, let's put it on Gerrard. Everyone will read it. Uh, I, I disagree with that. Sporting Kansas City picked up a much-needed victory, defeating FC Dallas 3-1, to uh, which is a very impressive second half showing Kansas City needed these points. They and they needed points over the last couple of weeks, but I mean five games in a row with no wins, Ivis. I mean they almost put themselves out of the playoffs. But regardless, huge win for them over FC Dallas. Hey man, games in hand, games in hand. We talk about it. It wore them out. It got them tired. It got them. It really tested them, pushed them, and, and really cost them their form. But I think this is a good win. This is a good win. It, it, it kind of rights the ship a bit, especially after that Orlando City loss. You go to Orlando, you play an Orlando team that had just really been bad, really been bad, and you give up that win there. I thought that was that, that was, you know that asked that asked. There were some questions asked after that game, but now they're back on track. They play Houston next. That's a game they absolutely should win. 
Then they go to then they deal with Seattle. They they play host to Seattle there. They have Seattle at home. That's I, I look I'm looking forward to that one. I mean that that is a huge that that that's gonna be fun, man. That's gonna be fun. Um so that's the we'll 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 preview that match on the next show. Um but KC, I like I think again, Peter Ramiz, I like the job that he does. I know they had that rough run. Uh I'm not sure how cl- they're missing Espinosa. I think we I, I don't know if we've talked about it enough. They 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 really have missed him. Um, you know, and then you have a Mobia Kugo get hurt, and he's someone who could have been an option in the middle as well. Um, they need Espinoza back. If they can get us, if they if, if they hold on to their playoff spot, they get Espinoza back. I think I think Casey absolutely is a team that you're not going to want to have to deal with in the playoffs. Uh, and for FC Dallas, I was the first loss, no last. Uh, this loss, excuse me, snaps a three match um, winning streak for them. I mean, they've they've looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know they play well. It, it, it's I mean, the other thing with the Sporting Kansas City loss. They, they were missing. Mauro Diaz was in this game. Castillo well, was missing. in this game. He's been missing. Dude, I'm Mar-Diaz sorry. I'm sorry. Castillo missing. was in this game. They're missing, they're missing some guys. The, Castillo. Castillo. Yeah. What yes. Did he play? What happened to Castillo? What was he on? Uh, he, well, I'm sorry. He well, he didn't start in this game. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Kansas. FC Dallas is an interesting one, right? Because you look at their, you look at the standings; they're right there. They, they, they've the results that they put together this year, pretty damn impressive. Especially credit to Oscar Pereira; he's played the young guys, he's gotten his young guys' experience. Um, and look at their points per game; they're, they're right now they have the second highest points per game in the league, right? Pretty impressive. Do I see them winning the whole thing? No, man, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. And I feel bad to say that because when you look at a team that has the second highest point per game, how can they not win, right? How are they not? Um, and I think I put it. I think I, I don't know if I said it. I did. I think I said it in a Q and A last week on uh, SBI. For me, there's six teams that I can see winning it, and I'm and, and and you can argue. You know, some people will say, "Oh, it should be more than six. but I, I go Red Bulls, Crew, New England. Then I go LA, Seattle, Whitecaps. Those six teams. Um, and sure, I'm sure people. I'm sure. Obviously, these DC fans are going to say one thing. I'm sure, and and I know Montreal. There's some Montreal fans that are dreaming of this improbable run to the final with Drogba leading the way, kind of like their champion Concacaf Champions League run. Don't see it. Uh, and FC Dallas is another one. And FC Dallas, I, they play well. They, they, they got a, they got young guys, but the playoffs are a whole other thing. And I think this is a, this this is going back. Oh, we've talked about this in the past. Younger teams need that experience. Younger teams, they need to go through the, the growing pains of, of, of playoff soccer. Like last year, Columbus Crew, young team, great season. They ran into a veteran New England team, and they got beat up. Now, I think that will serve Columbus well this year. FC Dallas, I think this is a year where they're going to have to pay their dues in the playoffs. But I don't see them going far this year. But I think they'll get that experience. And if they, if they can – if they can get at least these the semifinal series under their belt and get two or three games in the playoffs under their belt as a group, that's going to be huge for them in 2016. But I just don't see a young team, a team this young, putting it together for the playoffs. It just it, I just don't see it happen. Chicago Fire defeated Orlando City one to zero. Orlando, I mean, they they just they're just finding ways to play themselves out of the playoffs. Uh, with Chicago though. Frank Gallup is out. I think like we talked about this a month ago. I feel like I brought it up a month ago. I was wondering why Frank Gallup was still coach Chicago Fire. It's official. He is no longer there. Let the rebuilding process officially start. Right. I mean, look, credit to Orlando City. 
Uh, we're, we won't spend a ton of time on them. I mean, they won this game. Credit to them. They're still in the playoff picture. Um, I don't like their chances to get in, but, you know, credit to Adrian Heath. They, they put a couple of results together. They're still alive. Good for them. As far as Chicago goes, uh, what took them so long? Seriously. Like, this is two months late. This should have been done months ago. And, it, it, and you know what? If, they'd, if it had been done a couple months ago, maybe they could have salvaged something out of the season. And now they're done. They're in last place. They're not making playoffs. Um, but I will say good. It, it's good to see that they not only made the change and got, and, and, and got rid of Yalop because it wasn't working, um, but they bring in a guy, Nelson Rodriguez, a highly respected guy, to be their new general manager. And he's a guy that, for me, I think that – it's an encouraging sign that he has taken that job because for me, you know, I, I, I've known him a while. He, Nelson, Nelson Rodriguez strikes me as a guy who would not have taken that job if not, if not without some assurances that, you know what, he's going to be allowed to do the rebuilding, that he's going to be allowed to kind of run the ship and do what he needs to do, make the decisions that need to be made. And if that's the case, if Andrew Houtman has sat there and said, you know what, whoever was advising me before – just did not do a good job, and I'm not just talking about Frankie Diallo because I heard I, I, I've been told from my sources that th- that uh, you know Houtman had his people or person who was kind of his soccer advisor, so to speak, and and, and that though and the, his advisors are the ones that got, ended up getting him Yallop. Yallop didn't work out. Um, hopefully now you know Houtman looked at the whole thing and said, you know what, whoever these people are that advise me, they don't know what the hell they're doing. I need to go, who's the best available guy in American soccer that I can go get to bring in and run this team? And he did it. He got Nelson Rodriguez, very well-respected guy, a Jersey guy. Uh, I'll put that out there. So, you know, a little bias there. Yeah, take it easy. But anyway, he's a, he's, he's a sm- very, very smart guy. And if he's allowed to run that team and, and make all the decisions, I think they could turn things around in next year. They, they, they have talent. They have young talent. They have Harry Ship. They have Polster. Uh, you know, Mikey Stevens is, is shown well. They, 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 David Akam, they, they got some. Ta- they have talent on that team, um, but they, they they're going to have a lot of work to do uh, to to build the defense because they Lord knows they don't have one. Uh, but they could be that team next year that that turns around from being awful and 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 be a good team. But it's you know what Rodriguez has his work out. In the final game of the weekend, Philadelphia defeated Houston two to zero. Philly wins. They're still not making the playoffs, no. but hey, builds a little momentum for them ahead of the Open Cup because the Open Cup's only a week and a half away now. The Open Cup final against Kansas City, and uh, if you're Philly, that's your season. I know technically they're still in the playoff race, but that, that for me, that's <laughs> no, they're not. That, 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 <laughs> I mean, hey, look, if Montreal, look, if Montreal collapses, let's just look at it that way. If Montreal, if Montreal collapses, it is open season. You've got three teams all in striking distance if Montreal collapses. Big if, though. Three games. Big cushion. But Philly, it's it, it, you gotta be, It's good for them. Give them some confidence ahead of the Open Cup. Houston, the wheels have fallen off. Owen Coyle's first season has not been that good. No, it has not. Ivis, it was announced last week that LAFC is now going to be known as Los Angeles Football Club. How shocked are you by this? You had to be really shocked, aren't you? Because I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I thought they were going to go with the uh, LA Aztecs. I got to be honest. No, I'm just kidding. No uh, way. Yeah. It would have been nice, but you, I knew that wasn't going to happen. No. Uh, it's okay. I mean, I guess. I mean, we've all gotten used to it by now since that's what we've all expected it to be. So, 
no, nothing to see there. Nothing, nothing big news. No big news. No, except you know, except they also pointed out that uh, colors receiving the most support so far are black, blue, and red. I, I don't think that's a surprise either. <laughs> it's like so anticlimactic. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not. I, it's like there's, it's what is it? Three years before they even play? Like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to think about them too much. <laughs> Wait, you know what? Wake me up when they name their coach. Or wake me up when they sign Ronaldo. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I was I thought that was you're gonna be your first thing when they sign Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo will play for LAFC. You really think so? Write it down, dude. Yeah. I would put money. I would absolutely put money on it. See, I figured he played for Real Salt Lake, you know, because they have that Real <laughs> connection. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's really worked out. Uh, <laughs> Ivis, some bad news though. Some very bad news. Well, it depends on who you are, but Copa America, which possibly may be happening next year when the North America teams play the South America teams in the month-long tournament that will rival the World Cup, everything there is to know about soccer. There are now reports coming out that is in limbo due to a various number of reasons. I mean, a year out, Ivis, this is not a good sign right now. Less than a year out. It's, uh, right, less than a year out. You're exactly right. No, it's been up in the air for a while. Um, ever since, obviously, the FIFA uh, cracked down the arrests, the investigation the FIFA corruption investigation going on, it really put the tournament in jeopardy. There was a lot of money that was tied into the tournament that has been tied up in these corruption uh, these corruption charges. So here's basically what it boils down to is this. Uh, CONCACAF and CONMEBOL had fully planned the U.S. to host. However, U.S. soccer, after all, in the wake of all this, all this corruption stuff, they're pretty much like, listen – we are not going to host this thing until we have a lot of assurances about that this this, this thing is going to be run cleanly. We want we want transparency in all in, in the business operations. We want everything up above board and be, and and beyond reproach because right now the feds are watching. the The feds are are they got their eyes open? They got the phones tapped. They're ready to find any dirty dealing going on. And U.S. soccer doesn't want to be involved if it's not clear, a hundred percent clear. That everything is being run cleanly, and for whatever reason, the the things that you know, all that simple request is has been a little tough to kind of get uh, approved by Conmebol, by Concacaf. So for whatever reason, that's been tied up, and so this, so we've gotten this whole back and forth where Concacaf, uh, Conmebol keeps coming back with, oh yeah, we still want it in America, and then and then U.S. Soccer's like, yeah, that's good for you, but yeah, we don't, we still don't want to be a part of it. So as of right now, September twenty. Second, 23rd, we have yet to get official confirmation from U.S. soccer that it's going to happen, that it will be here. Uh, and I don't know if it's going to be here. I still say it could completely fall apart and not happen at all. I hope it happens. I, as much as anyone, I would love for them to have this tournament in America next summer and have, you know, Brazil, Argentina, and the U.S. and Mexico and all these games and, and all the stars. It, it, it'd be amazing to have it here. However... U.S. soccer is not gonna is not gonna they're not gonna go along unless they get the assurances that they're looking for. And as of right now, we haven't heard that they've gotten them. Ivis, tell me if this name sounds familiar. Juan Carlos Osorio. Does it sound familiar at all? <laughs> Come on. Does it? I don't know. Yeah. You just tell me. Well, because Ivis, he's now rumored as the next head coach of the Mexican national team. I say, do you remember him? Because he, former. Head coach of Ivis's New York Red Bulls, <laughs> and at one time the Chicago Fire too. Ivis, what do you make of this move? Uh, well, if he ends up being the coach, and look, he hasn't been hired yet, 
there's just a lot of chatter right now, a lot of rumors that that he's a front runner. He's 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 a front runner, and basically he's earned that, you know, by being by, by, with his track record in, in South America, you know, with in Colombia with Atlético Nacional, guys won a, a, a bucket load of titles. He's done well in international comp- in inter in, intercontinental competitions with Copa Sudamericana, Copa Libertadores. He's really done a great job. He's earned the opportunity, and I think it'd be great. It'd be great if he if he got that job. Uh, you know, I think he he's a good coach. I've always I've always thought he was a very good coach. I thought he got a bit of a raw deal in MLS. And what's funny is that you know for the longest time he he wanted to coach in MLS, and then once he left MLS in '09, he wanted to come back to MLS. And I know for I know for a fact that for a long time he still wanted to come back. And you know he looked for the the right opportunity. He never quite had the right opportunity. Some teams did sniff around about bringing him in, but nothing ever quite worked out. Um, but now he's kind of moved himself up into a new stratosphere. He's in a different, he's in a different tax bracket, so to speak. Uh, after his success with Nacional, he obviously went to Sao Paulo. He's coaching the Brazilian powerhouse Sao Paulo FC. I know they've had, they've had their financial troubles and, and it hasn't been completely smooth sailing for him there. Um, but it's interesting to see a former MLS coach could potentially coach Mexico, and I think that, that, that'd be interesting, i got to say. Some bad news on the U.S. men's national team front. Reports are coming out there. Greg Garza, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, this is confirmed, that he has had hip surgery. Reports are that he's going to be out five to six weeks, which months. puts him, months, excuse me, oh, months, you're right. Can't even read my own hand right now. Five to six months, which puts him out of the opportunity to obviously be playing for the U.S. in the CONCACAF Cup next month. Uh, for Garza, Ivis, I mean, this is just an unfortunate, another setback for him after what has kind of you know been a little bit more frustrating the last couple of months for him. Right, and that's the thing. I think that, that the big takeaway from this, I mean, obviously it's devastating for him to the, the fact he's going to have to have surgery and he's going to be out. But what I thought was very interesting, and I wrote about this for Gold.com last week, and, and, and I, I'm not sure if people caught on, Two or, or were made aware of the fact that he's actually been playing hurt for quite some time. Uh, he's been dealing with, with, with groin issues, hip issues, going back to last year. And it, it kind of puts into perspective his, his form uh, going back from a year ago to now. And, and you kind of have seen a de- de- deterioration of his form uh, from then to the, the past few months. We've seen a player who has not shown the quickness uh, uh, that he showed in past years, who has not shown kind of the the quality that he showed. I mean, a year ago, people were looking at him as a guy who he looks like he's going to lock down the left back spot on the U.S. national team. Um, But obviously that hasn't been the case. He's been struggling with this with with these issues. He didn't have surgery. He put it off. He kept playing through it got worse and now it's come to a head now he's gonna have to be uh he's gonna have to have surgery and he's out for for quite a long time and you know you you hope that he can kind of recover and get back and be that player that he was starting the show he could be because let's not forget i mean a year ago two years ago for club tijuana he was looking very good he had those starts last year for the u.s where i thought he was excellent and i think mm-hmm. a healthy garza is the best left back option in the in the pool when you look at it i mean demarcus Wees is not getting any younger He's not going to be around much longer. And natural left backs. I mean, how many? Who who's out there? There's not. There's just not that many left back options. A healthy Garza still, I think, is the best option going toward 2018. Uh, but the question is, will he be able to recover 100? percent Because that's you know, obviously, with, when you're talking hip surgery, you know, you want to see how you know with that long recovery, how is he going to look? Uh, so I fingers crossed that he can get back to the player he was. We also have another unfortunate injury setback for another player, Josh Gatt, um, who 
I just, you know, he, he showed so much potential as a young player, you know, went over to Europe, made it his way, got called up to the U.S. men's national team, but you know, with Gat, just injury after injury keeps piling up for him. He had a very emotional video and in a, in a, uh, in a message he put on Instagram, and it's just, uh, I mean, for just Josh Gat, it's just, it's very sad to see for a player who had such a promising career one time. It's devastating, man. It really is, and it's sad to see, a, like you said, a guy who, uh, who really made it on his own in terms of, you know, we're talking about an 18-year-old kid, a nobody in the, in the soccer world, in the American soccer scene, he's a nobody. He wasn't a national, he wasn't a youth national team kid. He was in any, he, 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 on it, he went to Europe with nothing and, and made a career, won titles in Norway, uh, made, played his way into the national team conversation uh in in about so in a span of like three or four years i mean he did so much and mm-hmm. it was it was impressive to see uh but then now man the injuries for a couple of years now have just really ravaged his career and it's sad to see and that video was heartbreaking man it really was um uh just to see the kind of ordeal that he's going through and obviously you know american soccer fans have seen it through the years sad to say with guys who just couldn't overcome injuries whether it's john o'brien Stuart holden and now, now you got a guy like Josh Gatt, and it's just tough, man. It's just, and it just shows you how, how you know, how, how tenuous careers can be, and how, how precious the opportunity to be a player can be, because it can always be taken away from you. And you know, we obviously all wish Gatt a, a, a recover, a full recovery, because the guy, man, the guy, when he's healthy, he, he he's an interesting prospect he, he, with tons of speed, uh, a, a good flank player prospect. But you know what? He's still got a long road ahead of him. Well, keeping it on the U.S. men's national team front, we do have some uh, some more positive news to talk about. The CONCACAF preliminary roster, I'm sorry, not CONCACAF, the CONCACAF Cup preliminary roster for the U.S. is out, Ivis. Um, looking at initial reactions, shouldn't be that many surprises. You do have some guys on here that definitely, that definitely stepped up, showed some, some promise for the U.S. in these last friendlies they had um, against Peru and against Brazil. Um, but regardless, Ivis, I mean, this will get trimmed down to the roster that it was there. I saw some people's reaction was a little ridiculous for certain players. This is just a preliminary roster. But for the most part, Ivis, when you look at it, you know, this is going to be a fairly strong team. I mean, this is going to be the strongest team Jurgen's going to be able to assemble going off against Mexico in October. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously, the people who were the, the biggest complaints about the preliminary roster were, at, were once again about the guys who have yet to really be integrated into the team. Uh, in the past year or so, I mean, guys like Phil Haber, um, Sebastian Legette more recently, Ethan Finley. Uh, those that that shouldn't guys. come as a surprise, though. No, not at all. I don't know why anyone's that surprised. Unless, by he, unless you've been living in a cave. It's, you know, it is what it is, right? I, I still think in January we're going to see guys like Finley, Legette, Nagby. Uh, I don't know about Phil Haber. I think Phil Haber's, I think the ship sailed on that. Uh, you can also argue with Sasha Kleshin. I think Kleshin's playing some of the best soccer in the league. You definitely bring his his name up, but everything else is kind of business as usual. And I know some people will say, "Oh, what about Alan Gordon? Why is he on this preliminary roster?" He's Josie Altador insurance. If anything happens to Altador, you need another big forward on your roster. You can plug him in. But other than that, all pretty simple. Um, the problem with this roster is that the fullback position is a lot of injury issues. Tim Chandler not on the roster. He's left off. Uh, Fabian Johnson is on the roster, but he's still recovering. We don't know what his health status is for the for the Concacaf Cup. Um, Brad Evans uh, looks like he's healthy. You know, luckily for them, Greg Garza was on the preliminary roster, but now he's injured. He's out. That's 
that's one less name that Clemson's going to have to, to work with. So, uh, but above all, I think it's dumb that they're even doing a preliminary roster I know. for this game. Why do you need a preliminary roster a month before the game? And what I, I think puts it into the best perspective is um, when it, uh, when it's Concacaf World Cup qualifying or any World Cup qualifying, you don't need to you don't even need to submit like a roster for the game until like an hour before the game. So if if you don't even have to put a, ro- a, a roster up for a game for a World Cup qualifier an hour before the game, why in the hell do you need a preliminary roster thirty a, a month? A month before the the, the Concacaf Cup, uh, I know I heard some explanations. Oh, because it's kind of this is kind of part of the Gold Cup, so it's similar format to the Gold Cup. I'm sorry, that's just it, no, it's dumb. This is idiotic. Concacaf once again dropping the ball, and it's only making it worse for these teams because these teams had to leave guys off. Uh, if you if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you have all these guys who are injured. Uh, you end up having to leave some guys out because you can't gamble. I mean, a guy like Breck Shea. You know what? If Breck Shea wants to play, like, if hypothetically Breck Shea has a great couple of weeks now, and, and now you got a Garza out, you can't bring Breck Shea in now, and that's terrible. That's terrible. So yeah, and Mexico's uh, deal, dealing with it too. Andres Guardado is now going to miss the Concacaf Cup. Rafa Marquez is now going to miss the Concacaf Cup, and Mexico didn't even use their full 35 player allotment for the roster. So now they're good. They could potentially be dealing with issues. So I just think Concacaf dropped the ball. Well, this roster will be trimmed down. Uh, we will see some uh, some players left off of it, but I mean, nothing should be too surprising here, Ivis, at all. Once once you're going trims down the roster, nope. And look, when it comes down to it, it's still we know what these teams are going to look like. Mexico's still going to be the favorite, and uh, you know, for any sorry for any American fans who had quite have haven't quite figured that out, Mexico is going to be the favorite in this game. Uh, it's not going to be an easy one for the U.S. and and all you can hope for is that. The, the nucleus of the of the team, the Dempsey, Bradley, Fabian Johnson, Jermaine Jones, those guys are healthy because they're they're going to need all hands on deck mm-hmm. among their key players if they're going to have any chance of winning this game. And one final thing that we need to talk about: FIFA 16 is out. If you didn't know this, I don't know what world you're living on. I was at a party last night for it. Uh, I went over to my buddy's place. I played it. It's pretty awesome. Um, Clint Dempsey, number one rated American. That should be no surprise. What is surprising? Josie Altador, no longer a gold player at Ultimate Team. Ivis, that's actually a pretty big deal. Uh, but regardless, we can all rejoice <laughs> that FIFA 16 is finally out. You're speaking gibberish right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's a big deal. Josie Altador has always been rated as a gold player, which is a rating of 75 or higher. For the first time ever, he's no he's not a seventy five or higher. He's a seventy four. Well, he, hasn't, he hasn't really played like a gold player. Like I know, so and game. there's other players American who are on, who are like Benny Fellhaber is better rating than him now. I mean, this is all FIFA. It's all subjective to whatever we want to discuss. Right, right. I'm just no, saying. I, in the world hey, of FIFA, great, it is a big deal. It's great that the game's out. Uh, my kids started playing it. I, I I think I played one. Or, I think I might have only played one game on it so far. Uh, it's definitely tougher than it was. I know that's been the, kind of the consensus is that it's 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 tougher to play now. It's not as easy to pull off some of the some of the moves that people were used to pulling off in the past, um, but it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. Um, you know, we got our copies. Uh, you know, I was at the FIFA launch party. Was able to gra- grab a copy. Um, so I don't know, man. Hopefully, I'll get to play a little this week. I haven't. You know, I have one game so far. I think I'll. I'll I, I just try to play enough so that I I can kind of hang with with the kids so they're not to- totally embarrassing me on this game. I got smashed one of my buddies' plays. So I lost all five games. I think I scored one goal. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> I don't have time to play video games anymore. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. I used to, when you know, 
I was single on my bachelor pad, just living it up, you know. Now you got to go to IKEA and plant flowers. I'm, I'm doing food bowls. tasting on Friday. Ugh. Life's over. Life, as you know, and is over. and the fiance's parents are coming too. Ugh. Wow. I gotta be my best behavior. It's gonna suck. I don't even know you anymore, man. I know what happened. I'm, I'm spending my Friday night doing food tasting. You know, it, 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 this reminds me of this reminds me of the direct TV commercials when they're like, "This is Peyton Manning," and this is <laughs> like this is small legs Peyton Manning, and it's like. This is single Garrett. This is about to get married and have no life, Garrett. And it's like, the, like one, one is like a guy in like a you know a sharp suit, like whatever. Sharp suit. What like, is this? The eighties? I don't know. Whatever it is. <laughs> one guy looks like he's dressed for the club, and then like there's about to be married Garrett, who's wearing like a grandpa sweater. Uh, I don't, I, know. dude. It's not cold enough to wear cardigans yet. Come on. Uh, whatever it is, you look. Like, it's, it's a, just it's like a cardigan. You're old man Garrett now. You're old man Garrett. I know, man. I, I'm spending my Friday t- tasting food for the wedding. I mean, how this show is People who listen to us from the early days remember Garrett being the young and young one who'd have the fun and be out. Oh yeah, dude, I'd be out. You know, Tinder every week. Oh, those, those, <laughs> are, the, those are the good times. <laughs> nice. Oh man, those were the days. Weren't those they, were man? the days. Those are, I, I think mean, I, I party more than you now, and I'm old. I'm an old man. I think I party more than you do. I think you do. It sucks. It sucks, Ivis. All right. Well, one thing we actually didn't get on today's show because the show, as you can tell, if you're listening still, you know it's pretty long. Ivis and I didn't have a chance to talk about Olympic qualifying. The roster has been announced for that. Uh, we will talk about that on the next show because we will, we will feel that it's very important to talk about and break down the roster. So on the next show, which will be out later this week, look for the Olympic qualifying roster. Ivis and I will break that down. Uh, Ivis, before I let you go, I mean, We've been going at it for a pretty long time. Anything else we need to break down before we close out today's show? That's it, man. I think we covered a lot. Uh, you know, it's obviously uh, been a, been a few weeks since we had our last show, and we've I know we've only had a couple of shows in the last few months between my vacation uh, and in our schedules, and then Garrett's illness and all that. Like we we, we just it's been tough going, but we're hoping to get back to a normal routine. Uh, try to do two shows a week, uh, get things rolling. Uh, and thanks for, for listening and, and continuing to support yes. us. Uh, we will do everything we can to get the product back up and rolling. And just a quick heads up for anyone who may be going to CONCACAF Cup in L.A. in October. Garrett and I may or may not be trying to get together and have a little event on the Thursday before the CONCACAF Cup. At the, at, what's the date there? 8th? The 8th, maybe? August 8th in L.A. We'll still we'll try to figure it out. We'll, we'll try to see what we can put together uh, see what else is going on in LA, but it'd be great to, to, to have an event and get and, and meet some of the, the listeners. And you know, hopefully, we, we can get a little party going. Definitely get a party going, dude. That might be our best chance to do an SBI show party. So we'll see. If we I'm can make fine it with that. We can get a random uh, f- um, listeners on the show. What's that? We can get random listeners on the show. We'll just, you know, we'll record the show at the bar, and whoever wants to be on the show can just that, jump that's... on. They can say whatever they want. That could be a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if recording in a in a bar or a, cl- a club would be the. Or it could be really good. It would be the first, definitely be the first, uh, uh, you know, parents rating SBI show that we'll have. We'll have to have that disclaimer on it. Nah, nah, that's that's fine. We have to find a, <laughs> have to find a bar slash club that also has like a soundproof room that we could do the show in there. It's LA. I'm sure we'll find something. Has, there has to be something at least in West Hollywood, Ivis. I'll, I'll, I'll work. I'll see where we. I'll see where we can find a menu. Wish I made, man. All right, Ivis. I'm gonna let you go. You have a good rest of the night. I'll talk to you later this week. All right, bud. All right. 
And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Views, comments, as I've said, we appreciate everything you guys do for us. That is Ivis Glarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBS Show. <laughs>